Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, our crucified Messiah, speak to us, Lord. Open our hearts that we might hear from you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us here tonight on this most holy of nights. Um, this is also a very poignant evening for us. Um, if you're on our church email list, you know that one of our beloved sisters, He Jung, has uh, passed away this morning. And so the sting of death and the effects of sin are especially um, painful right now. Uh, in his email, Ben, He Jung's husband, wrote this, death is an unalloyed evil. Death be damned through and through. Because as I write, I know that she should be here. Do you hear the injustice in that? She should be here. So why do we call, why do we call tonight good? Well, the goodness of Friday is that the curse of sin and the death in which it has spawned is dealt with. Tonight, death is dealt with. By Christ's death and his resurrection, we know that it is not the end. Beloved family, we will see our sister again. Lord, by the merits of your precious death and burial, grant that all who mourn for the loss of loved ones may know a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. So this is the night of Jesus' enthronement, which is probably a weird way to describe it, but that's how the Gospels describe this night. This is when Jesus is lifted high and he is glorified. We see the glory of God on this evening. He is enthroned not on a throne that has been won through military might. He doesn't wear a crown upon his head that is one of incredible splendor. No, his throne is a wooden cross and his crown is a crown of thorns. All other religions in this world, and by that I also would include broken ideologies that you hear in our society these days, would say that the path to God, the path to wholeness, the path to heaven, the path to righteousness is simply by being more good yourself, working harder, being more gooder. <laughs> but not only is this untrue, it's completely unattainable, and it's exhausting, isn't it? If you've ever gotten there of your own merit, please do let me know. Because Christianity says that, no, we are all bad. We are all bad. And that is what sin is. It is the evil that lurks within every human heart. St. Augustine said that sin is like that wolf within us that's constantly trying to slip the chain. And it manifests itself in many ways, death itself being the supreme well, this sin that all of us, me and you, all of us, that we all exhibit, this is sin against a holy God and it requires justice. It requires restitution. It requires recompense. It requires punishment. 
And tonight we gather to behold the glory of God. Bart, who read our passion this evening, uh, several months ago you preached um, a wonderful sermon where you said, the God who requires punishment supplies the payment. And I love that. I've been thinking of that ever since. The God who requires punishment supplies the payment. We call tonight good because we see the glory of God. It is God himself who makes the payment out of his abundant love. So tonight, I want us to peer into the glory of God, to try to behold the glory of God this evening. How is it that through suffering, he demonstrates his love? How is it that by becoming a curse, he gives you a blessing? How is it that through his death, he provides for you eternal life? So I'd like to move through our passage in three scenes. As Jesus is hanging upon the cross, he speaks to his mother, Mary, and to one of the disciples, John. To Mary, his mother, he says, behold now your son. And then to John, he says, behold your mother. Think about that for a minute. In a moment of excruciating physical agony, Jesus turns his attention away from himself and onto the other. Mary, his mother, has already been widowed, and her oldest son is now dying upon the cross. And so Jesus makes arrangements for her to ensure that his mother is well taken care of after he's gone. This is a practical, this act is practical, and it is loving, and it demonstrates, it shows us a sign of his glory. And I'm going to make a big deal out of this because there's more to it than just Mary being taken care of. Jesus is redefining the way in which his disciples relate to one another in this moment. No longer does Mary and John relate to each other as disciple and disciple. Now they are mother and son. Under the shadow of the cross, Jesus declares that Mary and John are family. This is a new relationship that is instituted by Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, and is characterized by love. Mary, according to the early church, was seen as a symbol of Eve, the mother of all living. She's also been described as the quintessential disciple who's constantly pointing to Jesus, who's showing others who Jesus is. She's also an icon of the church. John, likewise, is a faithful disciple, and he, too, is a consistent witness to the divinity of who, of who Jesus is, his divinity. And so when Jesus binds these two together, this is a moment of new creation. It reminds us of Genesis. Mary and John are a type of Adam and a type of Eve. This is a new creation moment. This is a new community that Jesus is defining here from the cross. Mary and John represent a new family a family of spiritual mothers and sons, a family of spiritual fathers and daughters. This is a divine family, and it continues with us. We are that divine divine family. We are a continuation of that relationship, of that community that Jesus institutes from the cross. The church is the physical location of this divine love and life on earth. This is a Jesus-shaped community that is rooted in the foot of the cross. 
Now, here's the thing. This new community can only exist when there is a proper way in which sin is dealt with. And so in a third scene, we see Jesus hanging from the cross. And here he says, I thirst. <laughs> like so many things in the Bible, there's both a plain meaning and a deeper meaning. In a plain sense, this is just a simple statement of Jesus' suffering. In fact, in the Gospel of John, this is the only time in which Jesus himself expresses suffering on the cross. He says, I'm thirsty. Jesus is the man who suffers. But there's more that's going on here. Earlier in John's Gospel, Jesus is talking to a woman at the well. Do you remember what he says to her? He says that he is a well of living water. And if you were to drink from this well, you will never be thirsty again. You will never be thirsty again. Water symbolizes the wisdom of God. It symbolizes the sustenance of God that he provides. And Jesus, the well of living water, is eternally connected with his Father. He is that channel of God's wisdom and beauty and life. He is eternally receiving instruction and love from God. So then how is it that Jesus, the one who is eternally God, who is uh, eternally connected to the Father, how is it that one who is one with God, who is the well of living water, is now himself thirsty? In another one of the gospel accounts, Jesus is recorded as saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so I wonder if here, In John's telling of the crucifixion, I wonder when Jesus says, I thirst, if this is actually a sign of the Son of God experiencing separation from God the Father. Immediately after this, Jesus drinks wine. He drinks wine from the end of a hyssop branch. Sour wine is a symbol of the suffering of God, of the wrath of God. The hyssop branch is a symbol of the bitter suffering which God's people experience. Thirst, the wine of wrath, the bitter suffering of God's people. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus, the perfect man, is becoming a curse. He's experiencing the wrath of God being placed upon him here in this moment. And in this moment, the Holy Father looks away from his son. And in that vacuum of God's presence, Jesus experiences both physical and spiritual hell in this moment. You see, there is a schism here between the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus upon the cross experiences spiritual agony, darkness, and separation. This is the sin that you and I deserve that separation, that agony, that separation from God. In verse 30, Jesus says, it is finished. And then he gives up his spirit. No one takes away his life, but he freely lays it down. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, to make sure that Jesus is in fact dead, a soldier thrusts a spear into his side And from this wound flow flow both blood and water. Now, medically speaking, this might happen a number of different ways. 
But one example, if a spear is thrust into his heart, blood flows from his heart, and water from the pericardical, pericardical sac around the heart. So there's a medical explanation for this. But like so many things in the Bible, there is more than simply verifying, or there is more to this than simply verifying that Christ has died. This is a historical event which speaks to spiritual realities. Water is a sign of God's cleansing power and forgiveness. Blood is a sign of the perfect sacrifice and new life that God offers. Just as in the Old Testament, the blood of the Passover lamb is marked over the homes of God's people, so here the blood of the true Passover lamb is marked over God's new family. This was witnessed by Mary and John. In fact, John makes a big deal out of that. You can hear his exuberance um, coming off the pages. The water and blood represent the great sacraments of the church, baptism and Eucharist. This powerful and cleansing grace is poured out from the side of Christ himself into the new community that is the church. The waters of baptism flow from the side of Christ and it cleanses all from sin and it promises eternal life with him. And that wine from Holy Eucharist flows from the side of Christ and it nourishes the soul with with the sacramental life of God. And this is given to the new family, the church. And so when you touch that water and when you drink that wine, you are participating in the cross of Christ. You are enveloped into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is a mystical experience when you enter into the sacramental life of the church. And this gives you eternal life with God. With God. Behold the glory of God, that even in his death, he is the giver of life. And this life has sustained the church for over two millennia. Even though the body withers and fades, our faith is eternal and our life is secure with him forever. And that life is available to you as well. So in a moment, we are going to pray for the world because God so so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then we are going to lay this cross upon the ground And we're going to invite you to come and to pray before the cross. And to be clear, we're not worshiping this piece of wood. No, this is a sign for us. This is a a prayer guide for us. In the same way, when you lose someone who you love dearly, and you keep one of their possessions, and you take that possession out to remember them, to remember the things that they said, the way that they look, so too we come and we touch this cross as a way to remember who Jesus is, and what he has done for us. It is good to touch the cross and remember his death. So we're going to invite you to come forward and to pray things like, Jesus, cleanse me from my sin. Jesus, thank you for paving the way. Jesus, wash me clean. Jesus, refresh me with your faith. You will see people kneeling here. You will see people touching the cross. You will see people placing their heads upon it. And you might be surprised to find yourself doing these things as well. It is good to be with Jesus. And if you come here tonight with a particular burden upon you, a burden of sin, I'm going to be available in the back to receive your confession 
confidentially and to proclaim the forgiveness of sins over you. So after you're done praying before the cross, if that would benefit you, then please do come and let us pray together. And you can be promised of the forgiveness that Jesus has purchased for you. But in all of this, know that you do not pray alone. You pray with others. You pray with spiritual brothers and sisters. We're going to have prayer ministers. They're going to have blue lanyards. Uh, we're going to have prayer ministers available, some here, some over there, some in the back. Please, after you come and pray, and you want to pray with some of your brothers and sisters about anything that you bring with you tonight, please do make use of that. This is where we do spiritual work tonight. The Holy Spirit is at work tonight. May you take solace that by the cross of Christ, death is not the final word. That Christ loves you. Christ has died for you. And Christ gives you his life. Please pray with me. O blessed Lord Jesus, whose sacred side was pierced, that blood and water flowing out therefrom might reveal thy death was by a broken heart. Accept the lowly offering of our heart's love and grant that dying unto self, we may live unto thee, you who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen.